Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Action Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. Today, the coronavirus, betting, March madness, what is happening, what will happen, how will it impact us? Later in the show, longtime NBA player, currently the most popular sports radio host in the Bay Area, which is dealing with the coronavirus front and center right now, Tom Tolbert from KNBR. But first, let's do the main thing. The main thing. From the Action Network, my friend, Mr. Darren Ravel. Right now, Darren, the main thing is how coronavirus is impacting sports how it will impact sports. You're working on a story about it. Tell me what you've learned so far. Well, obviously, Chad, everything is in flux. Uh, As the stock market crashes and people are being quarantined, and you look at, as you mentioned, San Francisco and banning uh, anything that has mass crowds in a publicly owned facility at this point. Uh, So there's a lot up in the air. Uh, We had um, the BNP Paribus, the otherwise known as the Indian Wells Tennis Tournament. The first big cancellation happened on Sunday night. Um, And we know that in Europe, there has been games being played without crowds. So that's kind of the summary going in. And of course, we have March Madness coming up next Thursday. Right now, it's kind of a day-to-day thing as to what will happen. There's so much that's being considered right now, obviously. On the level of things that are freaking me out right now, first and foremost, you know, I say this only partially out of obligation, make sure everybody stays healthy, make sure my family stays healthy, make sure all of our colleagues at the Action Network stay healthy. We've been instituting like flexible work from home policies. We've been instituting sort of non-essential travel bans, those kinds of things. Second, after that, being somewhere, like being in the city and then having the city shut down and being quarantined in the city for God knows how long. Yes. Yeah. Listen, my friend was on the train this morning. He was sitting next to a guy. A guy sneezed. He moved. Then he coughed 10 minutes later. The person sitting in front of him then moved. This is the environment we're in. It's, it's, it's insane. But let's, let's make some projection with different types of scenarios in terms of what, you know, what would play out. So first and foremost is going to be March Madness. You said March Madness starts Thursday, which, honest to God, feels like a lifetime. And if the BNP Paribus was canceled, outright. Right now, at this moment, handicap for me whether or not March Madness is actually even played. Right now, I think there is a 10% chance it's canceled. 60% chance that at least some venues will have no crowd. 25% chance that at least in the beginning, all venues will have no crowd. I think there's a 5 to 10% chance that everything goes on as scheduled. But I really do think it is that small that nothing is affected. Something will happen, right? BNP Paribus canceled last night. They could have played it with no fans. Why do you think they chose to cancel instead of playing with no fans? 
there was actually a quote from someone involved in tennis, involved in the tournament, that they didn't think that it was in the spirit of what their tournament has become and realize that the majority of revenue there is ticket revenue. The majority of revenue for March Madness is not ticket revenue. It's TV revenue. So a tournament that is based on ticket sales versus a tournament where 99% of people or more is going to be watching it from home, it's two different decisions. And so I think that's the reason why, because without the fans, this is nothing. So that's the difference. Think about the downstream impact here on businesses if March Madness doesn't get pulled off in some way. Like, let's say they play the games without fans. That has a huge impact on the community where that game is played. The vendors, the parking lot attendants, sort of the ancillary income that comes from having a tournament game with all the fans that come with it. The only thing I would say about that is... Amidst what's going on in the general economy, it's a drop in the bucket. Yes, it's important in that moment, but if we're in some sort of economic tailspin, we're being affected anyway by other things, and that almost lessens the impact and the economic loss in the moment, if that makes sense. Meaning the health risks are potentially so much bigger than the economic risks The health risks are bigger, but I'm also saying that the general economy is suffering so much. Everyone's losing more money. Give me a comp of this situation. Is it SARS? Is there something else? Do we have to go back to World War II? So hard. Uh, And I don't even, we don't even know what's happening in the next minute. But certainly in my life, I don't think it is SARS because certainly in my lifetime, I have not seen such a state of flux from minute to minute in all our systems in in our lives ever in my 41 and a half years. I want us to move on to the next thing. The next thing. In this case, the next thing is still Corona related, which is you've been working on a story about the value of home field advantage, baseball, football, basketball, whatever the case may be. All of a sudden, that story that you had been thinking about for a while takes on an entirely different tenor. How do bookmakers incorporate playing in front of no crowds? And what that does in a one seed versus a 16 seed, an eight seed versus a nine seed, where energy and emotion is everything in the NCAA tournament, how do bookmakers account for this? My job was to look, and it's a complex story because it starts with, is home field advantage real? And in general... Uh, It is real in terms of wins and losses. And over the last five years, at least, it is a smaller percentage straight up versus spreads. For example, in the NBA, it's basically 50-50 when you're talking about the line versus straight up, which is much better in terms of percentage points. But when you're talking about March Madness specifically, you're obviously talking about, in general, while teams are not playing in their home arena. Obviously, there is a mismatch in terms of crowd that larger teams with larger fan bases and teams that do better have more fans. So then it comes down to, well, how much of home team, home field, home court advantage is about the fans? 
And that's debatable. But if you look at studies in the past, fans, especially in moments of games that really count, are believed to have an impact and are even believed to have an impact on the referees, leading to referee bias, leading to calls that are better for the teams that have more fans. There's not really a conclusion, but there is a thought that fans certainly do mean something, and they do mean something in games with great consequence. That doesn't mean that for spread purposes, there's no advantage, but there is definitely going to be a discount if it's a fanless venue to those specific teams that would normally have some sort of edge. I got to tell you, if I'm a better, and it's so interesting because Last night, my mom called me. She was thinking about how betting gets impacted by crowdless games. And look, my mom, like, you know, she's not the most connected person in the world. Love her to death. She's amazing. She doesn't think about me 24-7. Let's just say that, right? She knows what I do. Unlike a lot of my friends who, because we are owned by the Churning Group, and because when we launched the Action Network two years ago, they said the Churning Group, which also owns Barstool, I still have friends who say to me, so how are things going at Barstool? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I li- Last night, my wife and I took the dog for a walk. Beautiful night in Connecticut. Took the dog for a walk, stopped at a friend's. In the middle of the seeing them, we end up like there's a Slack chain going on about having an, an executive staff call to, to decide how are we going to handle office for this week and are people traveling and all this kind of stuff. Obviously, the next two weeks are massive for our business. And I'm like in the middle of my chain. And so I'm not paying attention to my friend. And he goes, what's going on at Barstool? I'm like, I cannot tell you what's happening at Barstool because I work at Action. And he goes, huh? Yeah, I don't think I ever knew that. Jeez. So my mom does know that I work at Action, which is great. But the fact that she's thinking about the betting, I think a lot of people are thinking about the betting. And I think a lot of people are thinking like, how is this going to impact the ways in which they do these things? And I don't mean to make it like about us, but obviously this is what we think about. And there are bigger issues to this than just the betting. But I do think like people in the sports world, people in the betting space, there is an entire community here that is thinking about how Corona is going to impact how people make lines and how people find advantages. They just are. I mean, I thought of it, you know, a week ago and it got, obviously got a lot more real in the past 48 hours. It gets more real every 48 minutes. Yeah. I'm thinking about how I can survive. I am not thinking about how I can survive. To me, that is not productive. I am not uh, oblivious to it. I do have a bottle of Purell in my house, one, but my head will not be taken over by fear. And I refuse to live a day where I worry about not dying. That's just not going to be me. Darren Ravel with the most inspirational take on the coronavirus that we're going to hear all day. So next up in the podcast is going to be Tom Tolbert. Tom has a very specific point of view on this because he's a sports radio talk show host, very popular in the Bay Area. Obviously, corona is impacting the Bay Area with public institutions no longer allowing large gatherings. Uh, So he's going to have a lot to say on this. Coming up next, Mike Leboff, one of our editors. Here's his story. No matter what, I always bet the New York Islanders to win the Stanley Cup before a season starts. I'm a big Islanders fan, so it just makes sense. 
and the year was 2013 so the season actually started in like the middle of January because there was a lockout it was a 48 game season the Islanders weren't expected to do much they were I think around 100 to 1 or something to win the Stanley Cup and kind of against all odds had a great second half of that shortened season and made the playoffs and it was due to no help from one player in particular Marty Reasoner who was a you know veteran grinder fourth line center type who in 31 games registered zero goals and five assists for the Islanders but yet was one of the coach's favorites he was the type of you know veteran player good in the room kind of guy glue real glue guy so he still got playing time even though there were probably some better options for the Islanders down the lineup to to put him for him so when we got to April and it looked like there was actually a path for the Islanders to make the playoffs if they went on a little bit of run I took it upon myself to try to lift Marty Reasoner's confidence. The Islanders played the Devils in New Jersey uh, in April and won the game 3-1. And Reasoner had a typical Marty Reasoner unremarkable game. And I thought to myself, you know what? Let's put in a request for an interview with Reasoner after the game. He obviously was never, we never interviewed him. Nobody would ever have a reason to really talk to him because he was the type of player that never showed up in a score sheet or anything. You didn't go to a game and say, wow. I'm glad I got to see Marty Reasoner play tonight. And we get down to the locker room after this 3-1 win. So he comes out. He's all confused. He says, hey, did, did you guys put in a request to talk to me? And we said, yeah. And Stan, who is uh, just like a real mensch, says, one of my spies here told me that you had your best game as an, ever as an Islander and told him that it looked like maybe his game was coming together and that he was coming around and that the goals would start coming. Reasoner looked at him and said to him right to his face, was it my mother? And there I was standing right next to him, knowing that that actually the reason he was standing there in his underwear in front of us was because I was trying to back channel away into lifting his confidence because I knew that the Islanders really needed him to be better in the playoffs. And it didn't work. He was basically terrible for the rest of that season and during the playoffs. And the Islanders lost in six games to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And my bet and heart were ripped to smithereens. So here's to you, Marty Reasoner. Thank you, Leboff. All right, we will discuss another thing. Another thing. Finally, as promised, Tom Tolbert, longtime NBA player, even longer time sports radio host on KNBR in San Francisco, maybe the most popular radio show of all time in sports <laughs> in San Francisco, to go along with his near Hall of Fame career with multiple teams in the NBA and a prolific All-American career at the University of Arizona. Oh, hello, Tom. I love the way you embellish. You make it sound so seamless. I didn't even know you were listening. I just thought I was sort of thinking about you in my natural state of loving everything you've done with your career. Even creepier. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's my first question for you. You guys are at the epicenter of Corona right now. Offices are closing. Yes. Look, I've got like my sister who works out there. She's working from home. Yep. Her office closed. Uh, I know Stanford is closing classes and not doing large public gatherings. From your perspective, on a scale of everyone be rational to everyone hunker down and buy Chef Boyardee, where are you? I, it's been weird for me. I've just been buying a whole bunch of limes just in case. I figured <laughs> if limes can't beat the coronavirus, what can? And you know what? If it doesn't work, I won't get scurvy. And who the hell wants scurvy? So, yeah, I'm loading up. While everyone's zigging with the water and the canned goods, I'm zagging with the limes. 
hoping that'll be a value play for me. Well, it's funny when you first said limes, I thought you said lines and I'm thinking, Oh my God, he's shorting every single game. Like he's just, he's buying (laughs) points on every single game he can bet on right now. Oh, you know what? I'll be honest. I don't know where it's at. Some people put, some people are freaking out. Some people think this is the worst thing ever. I'm just like, whatever. What can I do about it? I wash my hands. I basically, that's all I can do. Wash my hands. Don't touch my face. Although the more they tell you not to touch your face, the more you touch your face for, for whatever reason. But, you know, some people have the masks on. Some people are hunkering down and staying inside. Some people are hoarding water and toilet paper of all things. That one I don't quite get, but whatever. If it makes you feel better, go ahead and do it. I'm going to go with the flow guy. Whatever happens, happens. I thought it was some evil plot by the Takati people to get market share back. But what do I know? Well, you don't know much, to be honest. But here's what you do know. (laughs) Well, that's a given. And you know even less because you have me on. (laughs) I guess the fault is mine. Right now, they are playing sporting events in in Europe without fans. You did once upon a time play sports at a high level, both the college and the NBA level. Can you imagine what it's like to play in a stadium without fans? Well, yes, I can. I played for the Clippers. So but I can't bum. imagine what it's like. All right, to play. so you played for the Clippers. That's a perfect. By the way, yeah. I didn't even remember you played for the Clippers. Like a lot of people didn't. <laughs> the litany of teams <laughs> you played for. That one just for some reason I did not remember. When you're playing in front of that few people, LeBron was like, "No yep. way, I'm not playing in front of fans." How yep. is it impacting you as an athlete? Because I do have a follow up question that is betting specific here. Well, it's weird. It's energy. It's all about energy. And you usually get that energy. You're used to being out there and the the fans either love you or the fans hate you. And there's a bunch of them. They're cheering for you or they're cheering against you. But there is energy. There's a buzz. And when you're playing in front of no buzz, it's, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, you can hear people up in the low section going, uh, God, that guy, that guy really sucks. And you're like, oh, thank you. I think I, I think one time a guy sneezed it's about 50 rows up and I said, bless you. And that's how quiet it was. And it is the weirdest thing when there's no buzz there because you got to, you got to create your own juice and it's, it's not easy to do because you're just not used to it. So how do you do it? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's any way to replicate fan buzz. It's just a weird deal because it's dead. I mean, they say create your own. And I always thought, well, that's great. It sounds good in theory. I don't know how it works in practice because it's not not something you're used to. I wish I could give you a, a pithy answer for that one, but I, I, it didn't happen a lot. But when it did happen, I still haven't figured it out. All right. So that's a really interesting thing, though, because does it just feel like a practice? No, it is. Uh, I read an article this week where Gosman and Samarja Hood pitched in front of uh, no fans in Baltimore when they, they had... Uh, I forget what it was going on there. I know it had to do with the police and safety reasons. And they pitched in front of like nobody. And they said it was like the weirdest thing ever because it's just no vendors, no nothing. You're just, yeah. So it's just, you know, you're just not used to it. You know, you're not prepared for something like that because you don't, you don't deal with it very often. In college, I played in front of 13,500 people. And then the pros, you know, usually it's at least that, if not close to 20. So when you're playing in front of five or four, it's weird. Playing in front of zero, can't even imagine how that would affect you. All right, so let's take it to the next level. Who has an advantage when you're playing in front of nobody from a betting perspective? Oh, man. I mean, I don't even know how you'd quantify that. When does it happen? How does it happen? I mean, your sample size would have to be extremely small in a situation like that. I can't even remember basketball games in front of nobody. I know they're doing over that. You're doing it in Italy 
Uh, I don't know how it affects the, the soccer. I don't even know and how you make know. lines for it. I guess you just make it the same. I don't know what else you would do because I, from an athlete standpoint, I don't think it would affect one team more than the next. I guess if logically you'd, you'd shade the, the road team a little bit just because there's no fans there and the referees don't have to deal with the fans and you're not having to deal with the adrenaline and they don't get that boost from the adrenaline. So I guess, I mean, if I'm setting a line, either it'd be the same or I'd probably shade it toward the toward the dog a little bit because maybe a little less adversity that they got to deal with. That's what I think I would do. I think I'm going to shade it towards the dog. You eliminate, say, point or two off of the home corn advantage because like you said, yeah. being at home, half the advantage is playing in front of your home crowd and getting amped up. And like that's an energy boost at the beginning of the game and sort of at the beginning of the second half. And then any single time you make a run, that can't be replicated, right? So then also I would think about this, and you can answer this, communication might be a little bit easier for the visiting team. Like the home team is used yeah. to sort of the pace and the rhythm and the noise. That would be something that probably be more football because football is a lot of times you got to go to silent counts because you can't call plays because the crowd's so loud. I don't know that I've ever been in a basketball arena where it's been so loud that I couldn't think. I've been in some loud arenas, and when I played for the Warriors, I was the loudest at the pro level. It was really loud in Arizona when I played, but I don't know if it's so loud you couldn't call plays, you couldn't think. Basketball is not a game. You really got to shout too far to to get your point across, but the other point's valid. I think the louder an arena, the more amped the teams get and the more disoriented a road team may get. So I'm with you. I'd probably shade it that way. But then again, who knows? I mean, without sample size, you don't know how that would affect it. And, you know, maybe Sharps would go like, no, that's too much. Two points is too much. So we'll go back the other way. And it'd be interesting to see where, let's say if you had 50 games, which is still pretty small sample size, how that would, uh, how that would play out. All right. Next level. What do you do during March Madness? Everything is a neutral court or for top seeds, I had Darren Ravel on earlier and we were talking about Gonzaga and like if they're going to be a West seed and they're playing, you know, their regional somewhere in the state of Washington, Washington is where there's a huge outbreak of Corona. So it's possible mm-hmm. they could play empty. All of a sudden you might reduce the value of Gonzaga's home court advantage in the opening round because they're not getting the crowd advantage that they would have normally had. Well, I would say this, and this goes back a long time ago. We played at Poly Pavilion for our opening round. So it wasn't in Arizona, but it's like a, you know, six hour drive. So we were definitely the the home team there. And I didn't feel any home field edge. I didn't feel any home court advantage whatsoever. The NCAA tournaments, even though you are playing in front of your home crowd, most times it still doesn't feel like home. It can get a little loud there, but it's still split, even though it's 70-30. You have a lot of people there that aren't rooting for one side or the other. They may be left over from the game before, getting ready to watch the second game, or just their basketball fans, so they happen to be there. So I don't even know, personally, if I would even touch it. I think I would just leave it the same at a neutral site. Even though you're playing close to home, it's still not home. And I I don't know what it's like today. I mean, we're going back a long time ago. And we played in Tucson, actually, my junior year. We played at home. I think it was the last tournament 1987 possibly where you could play on your home floor and it was the weirdest thing because we played UTEP we're like a nine eight seed nine seed ten seed I don't even know what we were actually uh and we were at home it was like why we had we got beat uh but I I still didn't feel a home court advantage it wasn't our it was our floor but it wasn't our home court so again I don't even know if I would I would shade it one way or the other whether 
whether it's at home. And I do find it interesting that we're talking about getting an edge from the coronavirus because I thought about this last night. <laughs> I thought about how sick it was, like gamblers always looking for edges. And then I always think about GMs from sports, pro sports teams. They have everything built into a, a damn algorithm. A guy could be a first rounder. And because he gets in trouble with the law, he's not a first rounder anymore, but maybe he, there's value at a third rounder. And I always think, wait a minute, if you think he's a bad guy because he got popped and he's not a first rounder anymore, why is he a fourth rounder now? I mean, either he's a bad guy or he's not a bad guy. And you're, you're going to draft him? You're going to draft that same bad guy in the fourth round that you wouldn't draft in the first round. Why? Because of value. And that's what you talk about in gambling now, value. That's what everybody talks about in all sports, value. Three-pointer versus two-pointer, you know, 17-footer versus 20-footer. I mean, everything's uh, about value now. It's uh, it's all it's all the matrix. We're all living in the matrix. Well, at the end of the day, we're all pretty mercenary, right? And that's what sports fandom has become because of Moneyball, because of data, because everyone feels like they can win. Everyone's opportunistic. I promise you right now, the stock market is tanking. And there are many, many people who know more about the stock market than I do who are shorting stocks. They're figuring yep. out when the bottom is going to be so they can get in on their opportunity. You and I, we're sports bettors. I work at a sports betting company. I'm looking to see, all right, how am I going to try to find ways to bet March Madness, which is terrible. Dude, we all do it. I mean, everybody does it. I mean, don't think for a second if somebody like passes away or something tragic happens, the first thing like people that bet sports think about are, I wonder how that affects that club. I wonder how that affects that team. I mean, it's kind of sick to think about it in those terms, but you know there are people out there that are, oh, that that happened to that person. That person's mother passed away. I mean, it's just, but yeah, they do it in the stock market. They do it. Gambling, they do it. When I factor that into my handicapping sometimes, I'm not, uh, I'm not happy with it. I don't go, oh yeah, okay, I found this edge. But sometimes you just do what you got to do, I guess. <laughs> you just go, there are people who do this. They look at the stock market and think about this. They look at sports betting and think about the advantage. We are those people. I'm not proud of it either. <laughs> I'm not going to celebrate the advantage I can find, but I'm still going to use the advantage. I guess, I, can find. I guess that's a perfect way of putting it. Doesn't oh, make me feel any better. I'm only going to tell people who really know who I am and they already <laughs> think I'm a bad person. So that way, when it's really dark, I don't have to feel as bad about myself. Exactly. You can just confirm it. Oh my God. We're terrible people. You think I'm a dark person? I'll confirm it for you. Check yeah. this out. I got an extra point and a half. Yeah, Dude's brother passed away last night. There's no way he's going to be up to play. Oh God. Jesus. You had no idea this was going to turn this direction. <laughs> well, listen, I always worry about it with you. I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't know exactly where, but I worried about something like this, but it's also just true. Look, it's like, it is that's just, it's what I'm thinking about right now. I am thinking very much, obviously, first and foremost, everybody stay healthy, goes without saying, but I'm also thinking, all right, how is this going to impact me? Like I was on the phone an hour ago with a buddy of mine and my kid's 16 and is a junior in high school. His kid is 16 as a junior in high school. And we were both talking about like the cost of college. And I said to him, I'm not looking at our 529 for a month. I'm just not going to think about it. Like the value of that 529 today is worth a lot less than it was two weeks ago. And I cannot think about like what it is right now and where my kid can go to college or not go to college based on the value of that fund. I'm sorry to say, but I'm looking at this through my particular lens right now. Here's the thing. And look, community college is a, is a great option. Don't you totally. worry about that. Listen, uh, we're assuming the guy can get into college anyways. <laughs> Here's the thing. 
You can't do anything about it. This is why you don't feel bad about it. This is why I don't feel bad about stuff. I mean, again, I don't think I don't celebrate it, but what am I to do? I can't do anything. I can't go out there and somebody's not saying, hey, Tom, I'll give you an option. You can take away the coronavirus or you can get two points edge in 10 different NCAA tournament games. No one's giving me that option. If they did, then I would clearly, <laughs> well, I'd, I'd go with, I'd, I'd look, I'd go with the coronavirus. I'd, I'd, I'd wave the wand. Your answer would be, can I get the points and then immediately get rid of the coronavirus? Oh yeah, then I would definitely do that way. Now, of course, of course you would say, you know what, boom, we're done. We're done. You know what, we'll worry about my gambling habits and my value later. But I don't, you don't get it. I don't get it. You just, you look at the, here's what it is. You look at the facts. And that's what you try to do when you're when you're handicapping a game. Let me look at all the facts I feel like looking at. And this is one of the facts you have to look at. And if you don't look at it, you're just being you're just being negligent. It's not like you're rooting for it. It's not like you got, you know, the corona pom poms on and you're rooting for the go virus. I mean, you're not doing that. Yeah, I don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. So those that's what's in front of us. Those are the facts. Try to come up with the best decision you can. Period. You don't get to celebrate anything. You just deal with what you have to deal with. Play the hand you're dealt. That's exactly. Kenny Rogers. That's what I'm talking about. You know, back when I was in fifth grade, uh, I went to overnight camp and they had uh, these talent shows, first uh, four weeks and second four weeks. And the second four weeks, I was asked to sing the uh, song, The Gambler by Kenny Rogers. Oh, how'd you do? Not good. Not good at all. But I thought I was amazing. But it's really, I was like, you know, a very small fifth grader with a high voice. And that's why I think I was taken advantage of. Honestly, they put me out there as a prop. Oh, I thought you were going to say you're taken advantage of by the counselors. I was like, we, that's a different podcast. I think steer the boat in a different listen, direction. I feel like we've, we've delved into deep enough secrets <laughs> for the day. Like we've already revealed <laughs> too much. Way too much. Does this have to air? No, probably not. We should probably, we, this should probably, probably a better idea if this never sees the light of day. In fact, I think we should end it. I think we should end it right now. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, all right, Tom. Listen, I feel like this was, this was a little bit like the radio. You know, you and I will do a radio segment every week on KNBR. This past week, I don't even think we ever got to a gambling question. I think we talked about the most random stuff for 35 minutes. That's what we do. This time we just revealed the kind of people we were. We did. I don't think it's really pretty, but nope. what are you going to do? All right, Tom Tolbert. Thanks people for coming respect on the podcast. honesty, Chad Melman. I agree. And by the way, I'm probably not the only person thinking like this. You're not the only person no, thinking like this. No, no, we're not. Definitely. Definitely we're not. That I do know. You kidding me? I know people that sell their mother for half a point. <laughs> All right, Tom Tolbert. Thanks for coming on the Favorites Podcast. I'll talk to you later. You'll never have me on again, but thanks, Chad. I appreciate you it. You just vaulted to number one guest. <laughs> See you, Chad. Thank you to Darren Ravel for coming on. Thank you to Tom Tolbert for coming on and forcing me to reveal my deepest, darkest secrets. Before we go, as always, our fearless leader, our CEO, Patrick Keene, he's going to take us out with some brilliant words of inspiration. Why are you interrupting me? You do not interrupt me! Do you understand me? This has been the Favorites Podcast. Download on Apple Podcasts. Download on Spotify. Download wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Until next time, love you. Bye.